Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for uh, joining us this morning, coming from the upper room. I, I want to wish you a good morning. It is a, a blessing to be able to, to be with you this morning, coming uh, coming to you and, and sharing with you. You know, I, I must admit, I, I told the staff this week I wasn't sure I could do this. Uh, the idea of coming into a room that was empty and kind of Preaching to a camera just seemed beyond me in a lot of ways, but uh, we thought about it and we spent some time uh, really thinking about how we could could help in regards to that problem, and, uh, and and we came up with a solution. And I want to just show you that we do have some 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 friendly help this morning, helping me encourage me in my preaching. Let's show that right now. In fact, uh, I, I love this, uh, this, these stuffed animals. If you think about it, they may be the perfect congregation. The reality is they're likely not to have their cell phones go off during the service. The truth is they probably aren't going to get up and roam the room while I'm preaching or go to the bathroom or something like that. So that's a plus. And then uh, while they probably won't laugh at my jokes, I figure most of you don't either. So I think we're fine that way. Bonus, I, I've also looked into their eyes, and the reality is, is they're probably not going to fall asleep. Although I do notice that the penguin seems to be a little bit of a charismatic, so I'm watching him and seeing what's going to happen there. But uh, uh, one thing I haven't figured out yet quite is how to, to give an offering or get an offering. And if we can figure that out, I think we'll be set. But uh, again, thank you, and we're, we're so excited to be with you today. But this is what I want you to do. If you're watching with us this morning, we thought about this. We'd like to share this together. And so right now, I'd invite you to take a selfie wherever you are. Take a selfie with your clan, with your group. Uh, make sure it's appropriate. Uh, you know, you're dressed appropriately. But we'd love to have a picture of you worshiping with us this morning. Now, we're going to do this this way. Share it with us through social media. Tag N-O-E-F-C from home. Hashtag N-O-E-F-C from home. And we'd love to share this moment with you and, and just kind of have some fun with this. Let's make this as best we can. I believe the Lord's going to speak today. I believe the Lord has a word for each of us and may his word uh, uh, challenge us in a good and comforting way. I want to share with you again from Hebrews chapter 12. As you know, we've been here for a number of weeks, and as we spend our time here today, I'm going to ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we just pray for this, that we would make much of Jesus in these moments. Help me, help us as we listen. Lord, may we walk away from this moment and knowing that, Lord, we've been with you, and may we be forever changed through Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 12. I really encourage you to take your Bible and read along with me. We're going to be in Hebrews 12, but we're also going to be going back and forth uh, to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and even into Hebrews 13. So it's great to have your Bible with you this morning. But let me begin here in verse 12, beginning with or, or chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May God add his blessing to his word. You know, when I began this series in Hebrews a few weeks ago, (laughs) things were a lot different in our world. At that time, I made the observation there are times when instead of comfort, we need courage. Often what we need more than sympathy is strength. Maybe more than relief, we just need resolve. Now, as we broadcast this this morning, I don't believe those words could be more true. Now, comfort and courage are not mutually exclusive. And the truth is that in the church, there is a place for both. Comfort is an an arm around the shoulder and it's a gentle, reassuring voice saying, listen, I know it's hard, but it's going to be okay. You can get through this. And many of you are comforting each other as you face these times of anxiety. Well, I want to challenge you. Keep comforting each other. Call someone. Let them know that, that you care about them. Let them know that you're there for them. And if you can help them, do it. There's nothing more comforting than a helping hand. But then there is courage. Courage is grabbing somebody by the shoulders and looking them in the eye and saying, don't you dare give up right now. You've come too far. Now is not the time. Now is the time to hang tough. Now is the time to get back on the track and keep running this race that God has called you to. Don't you dare give up. To encourage literally means to put courage into somebody. But we have to ask ourselves, why be courageous at this point? In fact, what is the basis for you and I to have courage today? And that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, Hebrews tells us again and again that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've been looking at this. You'll remember that the theme of this book is the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is better. The Hebrew writer is talking to Christians about why they can be confident in this world. He teaches them that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. Jesus is stronger and Jesus is more lovely. Jesus is good and compassionate and forgiving and offers life. Jesus is better than the things of this world and because as Jesus and because Jesus is better the truth is we can have courage and we can keep running the race we can keep our eyes fixed on him now 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 listen this morning i i'm not interested in giving our congregation a pep talk i'm not interested in giving a halftime speech a win one for the gipper I I don't want to play the theme Rocky and and, and get you all pumped up because the reality is that is only going to last for a moment. But I do want to ask every one of you this question. Where are you putting your confidence today? You see, my friends, courage comes from confidence. And confidence in our systems, in our world, confidence in our government, confidence confidence in our institutions, that has all been shaken this week. Where are you putting your confidence this morning? It's interesting to me that the word confidence appears a number of times in Hebrews 10, 11, 12, and 13. Because there is a confidence, the writer says, in knowing who Jesus is. There's a confidence that comes 
knowing what he has done for us and what he is doing now and what he's going to do tomorrow. In fact, Hebrews 13, verse 6 reads this way. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And let's face it. That faith, that confidence is being tested today. Now, we need to understand the context of what the church at that time was experiencing. The truth is, their confidence was wavering. The race had gotten long and it was hard. A few unexpected and tumultuous things had happened and occurred and they were losing heart. They were losing courage. They were wondering, is Jesus really worth it? Is he really worth all of this? Is Jesus really better? In Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 32, he reminds them of the kind of courage and confidence they once had. He says in verse 32, remember those early days after you received the light. In other words, remember when you first became a Christian? Remember when you first put your faith in Jesus? During that time, he says, you endured great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. So the, the, the church in those early days, because of their faith, they had lost much. They had lost their jobs, their credibility in the culture. People were ashamed to be with them. They suffered. They were mocked and ridiculed and sometimes imprisoned and beaten. In fact, the Hebrew writer says at other times, he says, you stood by side by side with those who were so treated. So sometimes it happened to you and sometimes it was happening to your kids. Sometimes this trouble was happening to your friends and your brothers and sisters of the church. And yet you stood with them. And, and you suffered, he says, along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you know that you're, you yourselves had something better. You had better and longing or lasting possessions. In other words, they had something that could not be taken away. They could lose everything and still have a great treasure. So the writer is telling them, look, do you remember how it used to be? You used to have confidence and live courageously. And yes, there was suffering and struggle and some severe economic impact. But Jesus was better than those. You endured and you were thrown into prison. Jesus was better than prison. You, were, you, you uh, lost some of your stuff, but Jesus was still better than your stuff. And you knew that. You had this confidence in Jesus, and that gave you such tremendous courage. But now, you're losing heart. Now your courage is slipping away. And so he implores them in verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. I want you to think about that. Do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. You know, the idea of throwing away means that you're going to have to intentionally get rid of it. 
It's not going anywhere. It's going to stay with you. If you don't want it anymore, you're going to have to throw it away because it's still there. All you need to do is pick it up, come back to it, use it, but don't throw it away. Now, for some of us this morning, maybe that's the message you need to hear. He's calling you back to the confidence that you once had in Jesus. Maybe even this week, your confidence has been shaken. But I'm here to tell you, don't throw away your confidence in Christ. I want to tell you, though, this morning, there are a couple of ways we do that. There are a couple of ways that we can throw away our confidence. One thing we do is that we consider our circumstances rather than consider Christ. Now, last week we looked at that phrase, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. The third verse begins, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Of course, that's speaking of the cross so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. You know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency that when to, we lose heart when we consider our circumstances. We get, up, get, we get caught up in our own situation. We get fixated by our frustrations. We get focused on our problems. There are a lot of us who are finding out that, uh, you know, yeah, we have a lot more time now on our hands than is normal. In fact, uh, let me just say for some of you, and maybe you need to hear this, and uh, but but uh, it's it's been difficult, and maybe for some of you, uh, this has been kind of unnerving. You don't have a job right now. You are wondering what's going to happen to your house. You're asking the question, "What if I get sick?" or "What if my folks get sick?" Can I really be quarantined with these kids any longer? I saw one parent post online that the homeschooling thing, well, it's going okay, she said. She said it's only day two. However, we've already expelled two students and fired one teacher for drinking on the job. There are a lot of problems out there. There are a lot of anxieties to be sure. But Hebrews tells us instead of considering your circumstances, consider him. Consider Jesus. Now, that word consider, it's an important word because it really kind of gives us two angles here. Consider means to contemplate, to think about. Some of us would do well this morning just to take a moment and think about Jesus. Jesus, you have all the authority. Jesus, you love me. Jesus, you promised that you would give me peace. To think about Jesus, to think about who he is and all that he has done and all that he promises to do, I'm going to tell you that will change your attitude. You know, one thing I do, and I know some of you do the same, when those anxious moments come, and and I have them too, I, I think about our church, I think about what's next, how are we going to do this, how are we going to do that, yes, but when I turn around and I just take a breath and I remember, boy, God has been good to me. I've never gone without anything. 
I have a place to sleep tonight. I've had plenty of food to eat. I've never been without. I don't know what tomorrow may hold. But I know this. When I think about God, I think that he has been so good to me. And when we think about his goodness to us, it just gives me courage to not give up. Friends, we are just a couple of weeks from Holy Week. Truth is, it's going to look different this year. But we're still going to think about Jesus. Consider what he endured on the cross. Consider, think about the cross and remember he chose to do that. He chose to to endure the cross. Why? Because he refused to spend eternity without you. He died so you could live forever. That was his choice. But we also need to remember we have a choice to make too. We're thinking this week to the story of Mary and Martha. You know the story. Jesus had come to their home and he was wanting to sit and teach and chat. And there he is sitting in the living room and Mary is right there. She sits down with him right at the feet of Jesus and she just listens to him. She considers him. She focuses on him. She absorbs him. He had come to their home. Wow, what an opportunity. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is not practicing social distancing. He would like to come right into your home right now during this time. But you also remember, don't you, Martha? She was doing everything but paying attention to Jesus. And Jesus had enough. He finally said to her, Martha. Martha, he, 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 he gets her attention. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. I want you to listen to that. Mary didn't find it. She didn't accidentally discover it. Mary chose the good part. Do you know that there might just be something good about what is going on today. Maybe one of the whispers of God's grace in this time for his people is that we take the time to step back from everything and we consider him. Where maybe we for a time mute the noise, drop the to-do list, stop worrying about work, And we choose to prize the king who says, I will be with you always. And he's in your home right now. Choose the good part. Consider him. Think about it. Contemplate Jesus. Now there's another angle to this word consider. And I want to offer this to you as well. There's another way to think about this. We, we can also compare. It, to consider means to compare. To consider means to contemplate, but it also means to compare. So the idea is, is that you compare what you're going through to what Jesus went through. Now, you put those things up against each other. Now, right now, for most of us, what we're going through is, well... We're supposed to stay at home, sit on the couch, and watch Netflix. Compare that 
to the suffering of Christ. I remind you, he was stripped naked. He was beaten and whipped beyond recognition. He wore a crown of thorns. He was nailed to a cross. He died a gruesome and excruciatingly painful death with jeers of the crowd ringing in his ears. And he took the weight of the sin of the world upon himself while the father turned away. Now you compare those things that you're going through right now, whatever it is. And I guarantee you it will give you perspective. You'll find courage. I came across the story of Joe Lee. He is a marathon runner. A while back, he ran a 150-mile ultra-marathon through the Sahara Desert. Now, you say that's crazy, and I would agree. But his wife, Allison, had died of cancer about a year and a half earlier, and he was raising money for the American Cancer Society. After the first day, it was going to take him four days to complete this race. After the first day, a number of the runners just had to be airlifted out. They couldn't do it. Around the 80-mile mark of the race, because of the heat, the soles of his shoes just blew out. He had very little protection, therefore, running through the Saharan Desert. His feet became blistered. Every step was painful. But at the end of those four days, they were asking, how did you do it? How how did you keep going? When you were ready to quit, how did you endure? And this is what he said. He said, I thought about Allison a lot. And this is nothing compared to what she went through. You see, every step, instead of focusing on his own pain, he found resolve and courage in thinking about his wife. Listen, if we step back and we compare and we contemplate what Jesus did for me, I can finish this race. Hebrews says, consider him. Don't lose heart. So so one of the ways that we throw away our confidence is we focus on our circumstances. Can I take a moment and give you another? And and I I thought about just ending my sermon right there, but I want to share with you one other way. I think sometimes we throw away our confidence. I think sometimes we throw away our confidence when we confuse confidence in ourselves with confidence in Christ. We get confused. We we think it's all on me. We think somehow we must be our own savior. Let me give you an example. And I think this is interesting. A dating website had a compatibility survey. I've never been on one of those sites, but but some of you may recognize this. But one of the questions for the, the dating site was this. The question was, are you a genius? Would you consider yourself to be a genius? 
Now, statistically speaking, those numbers should come in at about one in a thousand. One in a thousand would be rated as a genius at that level. But when asked, are you a genius? There was a certain sex, I won't say male or female, but there was a certain sex that tended to overrate themselves in that category. It turns out that five out of ten guys, five out of ten folks said, yeah, I'm a genius. Five out of ten. Half said, yes, I am brilliant. The article said it this way. The story said, five out of ten think they are one out of a thousand. You see, the truth is, so many of us can misplace our confidence. There are people who are confident, but they are confident because they've never been tested. If, if you give them a test, they would fail miserably. The numbers themselves would be way different. I think if we were honest this morning, as you look at your life, the truth is, we failed the test. Listen, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. You, you might think, you know what? I'm not smart enough to figure out all of this. I don't know what's going on next. I don't know how to handle this. And I'm not the perfect parent or I'm not the perfect spouse. The truth is, I can't make it on my own to God. And I want you to know you're right. If your confidence is in yourself, you're in trouble. We're all in trouble. But this is where Hebrews helps me so much. The author comes to us and he says, he says in, in, in uh, Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 9, he, he says, now Jesus is better than our failures. When you didn't pass the test, listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, we have confidence, we have confidence, there's that word, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. <laughs> we had no way to God. We weren't good enough to come into the holy place. We had no way to heaven, no access to God whatsoever. But we have this confidence now that through the death of Jesus, by the sacrifice of his blood, by the shedding of his life, we now can go to God. And God offers us himself. This is what is amazing to me. Listen, you didn't come to church today. But because you are the church today, my friends, each and every one of you has access to the most holy place. God hears your prayers. He can help you. He's not mad at you. He's forgiven you. He loves you. You might be ready to quit. You might be anxious in your spirit. But know this, God invites you into the most holy place right where you are, and it's a safe place. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Will you pray with me? I've just been enriched this week as I thought about this very simple prayer. I will read it now and may it be our prayer together. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, May I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly, day by day. Amen.